So if you've been here for a while, you'll know that we are going through the Beatitudes, the uh, Jesus Sermon on the Mount. It's uh, that those phrases where he says, blessed are the poor, blessed are the weak. And I'm really um, wanting to encourage us because reading a lot of Jesus' teachings can be uh, frustrating. And they can be taught in a way that just adds another burden of imperfection on our lives, like, I can't do this. And I've been trying to emphasize as we've been talking about blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, we talked about that last week, full of mercy. And we spent some time last week saying, you know, you can't give away, we can't give away what we haven't received. So when we know the mercy of God, we begin to release it. They will be filled and this week, for they will be shown mercy and blessed are the pure in heart for they will see God. So the pure in heart, merciful, those who mourn are all facets of the character of Jesus. What Jesus is describing is what a citizen of the kingdom of heaven looks like, how they behave. And he's the only one who's actually manifest that in all its fullness. And so he's not speaking to us saying, I expect you to do this in your own strength. I'm not, I'm not releasing this word of blessed are the poor and blessed are the meek and blessed are the merciful to, so that you would take it as a, as a condemnation because that's how the Pharisees taught. The Pharisees taught, this is the law, this is what God is saying, now smarten up. And Jesus came to say, I have come that you might have life. I'm showing you through the Ten Commandments, I'm showing through you through these teachings of mine, what the heart of God is for his creation. How, how you will look and how you will, beha- will behave when my spirit is in you. And so what God is desperately calling us into is not disillusionment and depression because we can't do it. It's much more he's calling us into a hunger and thirst to say, I want that. So I want to repeat something I did last week, which is something I repeat a lot actually. Last week we talked about grace and mercy and we talked about grace being God's overarching love for the world, that God is gracious. God is gracious. He's so gracious that he loves the world. He doesn't condemn the world. And we talked about mercy and mercy is about sending Jesus into this world. Mercy is actually an action. It's not a sentimental feeling. So we thought last week, mercy is what we do with God's grace once we've received God's mercy. And one of the things that many of us, I believe, get stuck in is an, is an intellectual ascent of who God is and what he is and, and lots of Bible studies about who he is and what he is. But in our hearts, we still get stuck. And what I mean by that is in Mark, uh, Mark chapter 7, Jesus talks about, it's a well-known phrase, but he says, what comes out of you is what matters. What comes out of a person is what defiles them, for it is from within, out of a person's heart, that evil thoughts come, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, 
envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. All these evils come from inside and defile a person. So really it doesn't even matter how many great thoughts we have, it's how they come out that's so powerful. And it's what's behind those words and those thoughts. It's, it's wh- it, whether there's love or whether there's something else. So you can be really true and right, but the way it's spoken is destructive. And so God is, and Jesus is saying, it's the inside that releases what comes out and impacts the outside. And that's where his grace and his mercy are so crucial. Again, we talked about this. This is, this is what happened. This is the us before Jesus has taken hold of us. And so often we define ourselves by what we see in the mirror and our history. And Jesus came that we would have a new understanding of who we are. This is who I've called you to be. And this is my vision for you. And I want to play with this a little bit today. Um, very, very often we determine and sentence ourselves or draw our conclusions, blessings or curses by what we see in our history. And when Jesus came, he said, look to your future and look to the Father and ask him what he's creating in you and what he wants to do in you. And the way God carves is usually from the inside out. You see, if Jesus were to, to walk into your life in greater power in my life right now, all of us would uh, be moved to tears by his, both his tender heart but also his truthfulness and also his encouragement to say, why have you stopped? Why are you afraid of me? Why do you think I'm going to spoil your life? It looks like you've done a pretty good job. Because most of your prayers are asking me to rescue you from you. Most of your prayers are asking me to fix the things that you've messed up on. And then you're blaming me too, which is cute. And I've come, you know, to, to help you. And so last week I did this uh, demonstration, which I just want to do quickly because it's actually going to illustrate most of what I want to say. And then I want to share something else with you. Lots of you have seen it, but I, you know, there are reasons adverts are on TV many times. This, I think, is the foundation of Christianity. It's the foundation of what we're called to. It's very experiential. It's not just in the head. It's the whole part of us. Jesus came that uh, we were created to be pure in heart. And that lasted not much, very long in Eden. And then things began to go south because we began to exercise the freedom that was a gift in a way that said that God was not to be trusted. And it wasn't long before things went bad and this thing's empty. Just as well I have to. And we spent, many of us spend a lot of our lives trying to uh, make ourselves acceptable. I'll do a few of these. Trying to make us, because God says ultimately the only people who can come to Jesus, only people can get into heaven are pure as a driven snow. And in the Old Testament, people did sacrifices because they said, well, we have to be punished for our sin. And so God um, said, if you give me something to show that you are repentant, I will forgive you. But he was still working on the outside. And the heart was difficult to change. And so you end up with my, rag, my, my sins like filthy rags. And so these, this is what this guy lives with. I can never be good enough. 
And when you start saying blessed are the poor and blessed are the pure, 50% of the men here struggle, will have some issues with pornography, statistically in Canada right now. And that would be conservative. I could spend the whole t- this whole time talking about impurity. I could speak about the impurity of our lives and impurity of our thoughts and, and put on us heavy burdens of guilt. What do you watch on the internet? What, you, what rabbit holes do we go down? How do you speak? What is your attitude? What are your addictions? What are the things that you hide from? Others. I could say, let's, uh, everybody struggles with lust, stand up. What would that be like? And then you think, well, I'm just talking about sex. And I go, no, I'm not. I'm talking about lust for money, lust for holidays, lust for anything. Lust is the opposite of hungering and thirsting. Lusting for something is about how I can gratify my need in my own strength and with my own wisdom. Hungering and thirsting is for the things that God says will actually give me life. And we're in this battle of hungering and thirsting by lusting. It could be very respectable, working, jobs, all kinds of things, and all the disrespectful things, or whatever the word is. And Jesus comes into this world, and he says, you know what I'm called? God so loved the world and his grace that he sent me out of mercy, and I said, I'm coming to you because I know that you actually are stuck in this cycle. How many of you are still trying to be acceptable to God or to prove yourself to other people so that they'll like you? How exhausting is it? How discouraging is it? Because the tunes change all the time. See, Jesus came that we would have an identity that is secure. And we've said many times in this church, you are a much-loved son and daughter of the King. And you go, that sounds great, but I don't feel it. Start with the fact that Jesus came to this world because you needed a Savior. That's what a Savior is called. And we're going to talk in Christmas about Emmanuel, God with us. He's here for a reason. He's not here so we come together on Sunday so we can just go, oh, you wonderful guy. And he's going, thank you so much. Thank you so much. I see your sin. Oh, I'm so tempted. This time I will resist. Um, I see your sin. Hope you try harder next time. Now he he wants us to gather because we are family and we are family before a father who loves us. And so how is trying so hard getting? Some people are struggling with addiction, some people are struggling to give up. And we're still learning how to minister to addiction. To be honest, lots of people come to our I am second for the food and then they go home and have no intention really of changing or they have no hope of changing. I think that's it more than anything. I don't have any hope. I've tried so many times. And when we sing about the name of Jesus, we're saying Jesus is the only one who can bring about significant change. And Jesus brings about significant change as we walk together in relationship with one another. And he doesn't judge us. And he doesn't, he's, not, he's not judging anyone here today. If you stood up and you said, I am totally addicted to pornography. I look at it three times a day. I, am to- I don't have to shame you. You're already full of shame. 
Because every object of lust causes us to be ashamed if we're aware. And shame comes from from hell. Shame comes from the one who accuses and says, you will never get free. And Jesus comes into that and he says, come to me, all you who are weak and who are heavy laden. Come to me, all who are broken. There's a prophetic words, uh, you know, we like prophetic words. Isaiah 53 is full of it. And what does he say in Isaiah 53? This is 600 years before Jesus is even on the earth. It's called the suffering servant uh, passages. Surely he took our pain and bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned our own way. And the Lord has laid on him, Jesus, the iniquity of us all. And he was led like a lamb to the slaughter, to a sheep before his shearers. Why would God do all of this? He poured out his life unto death and was numbered with the transgressions, for he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. That's for you and for me. And then there's a promise in the next chapter. No weapon forged against you will prevail and you will refute every tongue that accuses you This is the heritage of the servant of the Lord and this is their vindication from me, declares the Lord. Come to me, all who are thirsty. Come to the waters and you who have no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? And so God said, I so love you that I actually have come to to enable you to experience complete freedom and complete forgiveness from the consequences of all you've done. And as soon as you ask me, I forgive you. And so very simply, we come to Jesus and lay our sins at the cross and we are made clean, we are made pure. And he says, blessed are those with a pure heart. See, God says, I will release purity into you. Purity is not about your performance. Purity is about what is in your heart deposited by me that will actually begin to bring about change in you. How do you give up on things that, you, that aren't good for you? You begin to start saying, you see, this is, this is what this is about and this is what this is about. And the problem is that too many of us, we keep on coming to God like this. If I can only get these things sorted out, then I can be used by him. And he says, you remember Peter when he was having his feet washed at the Last Supper? And Jesus said to him, uh, you know, he tried to wash his feet and Peter said, no, 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 all of me. He was seeing himself like that. Jesus said, you're already clean. Just let me wash your feet. Otherwise you'll have no part of me. If you don't receive my mercy, you will have no part of me. And he gets Peter to participate in that. He says, Peter, if you don't let me, I won't. You see, God is completely into relationship. He's about you, you... there's a man lying at the pool. We read it this morning, the pool of Bethesda. He's been there for 36 years, we, we told. A typical victim. Jesus comes up to him and he says, I've been here for 36 years and every time the stir happens in the water, I, 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 nobody's here to help me. 36 years. You couldn't have made a plan. And Jesus says to him very simply, do you want to get better? See, God doesn't do magic. He invites us into the relationship. He says, do you want me to? 
I keep encouraging our prayer team, don't just pray for people, ask them what they want. Don't do magic. Magic is for fortune tellers. Jesus doesn't do magic. He sets you free and then what does he say? He says, now walk. And that's what he said to the man in the pool of Bethesda. He saw him later in this temple and he says, now, you know, don't sin or worse will befall you. Which means Jesus says, this is, what I, I will, I, this is how I see you and this is how I have freed you. Now live from this place. This is like the people ca- that come out of uh, Egypt and they're freed from slavery. They come out like this, but they feel like this. They go into the promised land and they, they look at it through these lenses rather than this lens. Only Joshua and Caleb look through this lens. And they say this is a land full of milk and honey. There's good things here. God will look after us. Take it. Jesus, God says, every step you take, I'll give you. And this person says, nah, there's big giants in there and there's all kinds of things to be afraid of. Let's just camp here. And they never step into their inheritance. God has won for you an extraordinary life empowered by him. Blessed are the pure of heart. If you want to deal with pornography and if you want to deal with all the other lusts, begin to start saying, Jesus, show me what pure love is. Start saying, what is my identity? Your identity, I'm going to get into tricky area here, but I'm going to say it anyway. There's a too much. And, and Ron, I'm not saying this as fully as you think I think I am, but there's too much of, my name is John and I'm 15 years clean. My name is John, I'm son of the king. And he's giving me strength to walk into identity that's enabling this addiction to fall away. You see, it's got to go all the way. If you're just trying to give something up, you'll never take something up. If you take something up, the thing that you're trying to give up will begin to diminish. The native Indians talk about feeding the, what's it, feeding the wolves, one, the white wolf or the black wolf or something like that. And that's a process we go into. But this is the beginning, which is you are totally forgiven and you are totally clean before God if you ask Jesus to forgive you and you confess your sin. And his delight is saying, that's exactly what I'm about. And out of an identity that has been set free by... You see, how do you know you've been set free? Because of what Jesus did. So how do you receive that? You say, Jesus, thank you that you forgive me. And then what do you do? Jesus, you forgave me and you set me free for a reason. He certainly didn't set us free to walk around and say to all the dirty rags, oh, you pitiful creature. Look how clean I am. Don't forget your cleanness is on the inside. You haven't worked it out through you yet fully. So some of the dirt still is filtering out. That's why people say you call yourself a Christian and look at what you do. It's because you're, you're part of the promised land being possessed. Not possessed by Satan, but possessed by God. And you don't want to be half measured. You see, I could ask us to stand up and say, how many of you are half in and half out? Half of this is white and half of this is black. How many of you are half in and half out? I'm giving Jesus this, but I'm keeping this part. Do you know how big a cancer cell is? When it starts, it's not big at all. When you're half in and half out with Jesus, you know which one wins? The cancer cell. The part that you're holding on to and controlling will permeate through everything else and actually pull you back. And it will be visible in your behavior and the way you speak and the things that you do and your priorities. You can't hide it. Everything inside us comes out. 
It's just the way the world is designed. And so I, I find it interesting sometimes when, when I'm preparing these talks that things come across into my sort of conscious experience and, uh, and, and to use. And so I thought I would play you a video by a woman. What's her name? She's, some of you may have heard of her. Uh, she's called Gianna Jessen. And she's, uh, I'm going to let her tell her story in 15 minutes. It, with, it's a 15-minute story. Um, in 2008, she stood before the members of parliament in Victoria and Australia the day before they were going to make an appeal, uh, to make a decision about whether to legalize abortion or not. I think, as I listen to her, that I'm listening to somebody who's pure in heart. Because the thing that I, I think is, is, is sad is that so many of the qualities that Jesus brings are interpreted as weak, was rather pathetic, or an absence of passion. And so listen to her and uh, hear what she has to say. I found her moving and powerful. Blessed are the pure in heart. If you read something about her, she's had to work to get there. Because she could have given a talk about being a, s a victim. And she could have given an angry talk about a God who doesn't care. And she could have given a talk heaping guilt on people. Instead, she defiantly spoke about hope and the goodness of God and the responsibility we have to actually share in life on earth. Blessed are the pure in heart of those who actually, they, it says you will see God, but you will also see other people. You will see the things that God cares about. You'll begin to stand up and actually do something. But we won't stand up for anything if we don't stand up inside ourselves. If we don't know, as she says, I am a daughter of the king, I'm God's girl if we're kind of defensive and we sort of, Jesus is tagged on to our culture and tagged on to our solutions for things. There is no power in that. There's no power in religion. There's no power in, in, in quoting Bible verses in and of themselves. There's power in the authority that comes from a life that has been submitted to Jesus. And it said, here I am, Lord, use me. Make it true for me. What do you hunger and thirst for? When you're pure in heart and when Jesus has worked in you, you can see this bowl and you engage with the culture and you engage with the society, you actually help bring about the change. Now the futility, and I'll only say this, of the American election is that it's all about how we're going to do it ourselves. And really whoever wins, they're not going to win. Ultimately we have to participate, but we're really citizens of the kingdom. And God is looking for men and women who are going to say, uh, I want to contribute. I want to make a difference. It's not just all about me. Who are you on the inside? Blessed are those who mourn. Those who mourn for the things that have gone away from God. This is not about guilt. This is about an invitation into the fullness of God. So that this will be released on earth as in heaven, in you and in me. But this is only possible when your identity changes.
from a victim or one who is just a miserable sinner to somebody who begins to say, Jesus, what have you gone to the cross for? Why did you rise again? Why did you pour out your spirit? Why have you called me by name? Why have you given me your words of promise? How do you see my life? And Jesus, I lay my life into your hands and I say, you carve away and I'm going to be a willing participant because I'm intrigued to know who it is that you've placed inside there. And many of us have given up. Or many of us have said, that's far enough, thank you very much, I'll take this part. And God has so much more. The invitation is given today. Let's stand. Let's just wait on Jesus for a minute. Father, I just ask your Holy Spirit to to take something that we've heard today and, and, and may, it, may it go deep into our spirit. And I just come against any sense of condemnation. But I do pray for conviction. Reveal to us where we lust after things. Which means that we come to you with our lust asking you to make it right and you won't. We come to you with what we want and we get disappointed because you don't answer because you just don't answer those kind of questions. Forgive us where we've taken our lives into our own hands. Forgive, forgive us where we have partially committed to you. Forgive us where we have lots of conditions on our lives. Give us a hunger and thirst for Jesus that will trust him with our lives in whatever circumstances we're in. The love of the Father is, is here right now. And he says to you, don't be afraid. I'm not condemning you. And if you're struggling with anything that causes you to feel shame, I break it in the name of Jesus. I speak specifically over pornography in the name of Jesus. I break the curse of pornography over everybody in this house, wherever it might be present. And Father, I call your spirit of purity to rise up, your spirit of strength to rise up 